Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy! Hello and welcome back to another very special episode of Faking Injuries. Here at Faking Injuries, we are the American ambassadors to the beautiful game. What are we going to cover today? It's going to be a random show. It might venture into dumbest show in football land if we really do our jobs, and I say that proudly. But without further ado, let's get into it. Charlie, how are you doing? Where are we going today? Because I sure as hell don't know. I also don't know. We haven't done one of these in a while where we haven't talked in a couple weeks, and we just have extensive notes in our phones that we're going to go through in detail. I do want to start with the story. So I recently moved, as you know, moving is a bitch. Mm -hmm. I don't think I told you yet about what happened the night I moved. You did not. So little did I know, in September, there's this date called Mexican Independence Day, and there's a big Mexican presence in Chicago. It happened to be the eve on our move-in day. We moved in, Unpacked all our boxes, absolutely exhausted, ready to hit the bed. And we just start hearing horns blaring on the street, on our street. Oh, no. And cars revving engines and music at full blast. Can I get a time check? It's probably 11 when this starts. And I would say 4 in the morning when it ends. (laughs) So on my move-in day, max exhaustion. I was up until 4 in the morning. The next night, they try to run it back. Well, because... That first night was the eve, right? So that was the pregame? That was the pregame. And because it was so rowdy night one, the cops had had enough. Like the city fully shut down by me. They were blocking off all the bridges. Like literally had caught barricades at all the bridges and were checking people coming in and out because apparently they went downtown and made a ruckus. So the cops were stopping everyone on their way downtown (laughs) to see if they were celebrating Mexican Independence Day. What's the probable cause there? Just seeing a Mexican flag? Is that enough to detain? Well, they had them on the hoods, uh, you know, flags out the cars, blasting music. I mean... They started trying to find side streets to finagle their way downtown, but clearly the cops were not happy with night one, so night two got pretty shut down, and I have never seen traffic in the city like that. If you drove west side to north side, it would have taken you two hours. Holy shit. But, uh, you know, still two nights of bad sleep in a row after moving, so it wasn't ideal, but we're back. We are back, and should we let that be a segue because... Your little pocket of Chicago wasn't the only rowdy place in the last couple weekends. No, we go to Amsterdam where Ajax versus Feyenoord, huge derby. And what we love about the derby, especially as you span across in an eastern direction, higher numbers of flares per capita. I don't know if there was a fire sale, no pun intended, in Amsterdam, but flares were out in full force. Surely you saw this. I know we didn't communicate, but... I'd love to hear your take on it. Of course, I saw the FPC was high, flares per capita, and they're currently sitting 14th in the Eredivisie. So understandable that the fans are angry when they're used Mm -hmm. to being on top, but also we're only four games in the season. We are. There's a lot of time to go and to solve the situation for the team, but I can't remember the last time I saw an Ajax start this sluggishly. I guess that might be what happens when you try to liquidate your gems every year and just expect that the next wave will always be as good. I mean, I think it's happened before where they've gone through growing pains, but it just seems like some of the Ajax culture has been diluted over the last few years and coinciding with the rise of PSV and Feyenoord who are doing things organically, keeping their teams together, 
gradually progressing. Just a perfect storm for IX fans being unhappy, throwing flares, and then I think they must have made some calls to their hooligans outside the stadiums, maybe the watchdogs. Yeah. Do you see the riot police on horseback coming to challenge <laughs> them? <laughs> I did. I did. I didn't know if it was a Budweiser commercial or an IX tailgating lot, but yeah, that was pretty awesome to see. You are spot on that. It's a tough time for them considering how well a team like Feyenoord, who they lost to, is doing. Santiago Jimenez, their striker, has 10 goals through four games, I believe. Yeah, I think he's got a few more games, but he's been the hottest striker in Europe, probably. But it's going to be fun to see wherever he goes this summer. And happy for the Mexican contingent, not only on your block, but across these few continents. They're going to be happy with Mr. Jimenez. Absolutely. And happy Independence Day. Yes. Salud. Is this the time we throw a quick Ajax future bet? I think so. To be relegated? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> to go down. Aren't they in Brighton's Europa group? I'm pretty sure they Tough are. Tough group. Ajax, Marseille, Brighton, and Athens. And Brighton lost their first game to Athens. I know, that hurt. It seemed like a perfect storm for Brighton. Starting with Athens, you know? To see them run up in the Amex without anyone at the club owning an Amex, that really hurts. Absolutely, and... I stupidly threw a future bet on them to win it all right before that, and uh, I had to double down right after. <laughs> Take your medicine. Yes, yes. Where else should we go next? I feel like there's only one place to go next, and that is Newcastle. Absolutely thumping Sheffield United 8 nothing. I believe the last time we saw this big of a shit pumping, it was Liverpool beating Southampton 9-0. The crazy part of this is it was eight different scores. <laughs> I mean, every person on the pitch, I believe, except for Fabian Cher and Nick Pope, had a goal or an assist, and it was an insane performance. So fun to watch throughout. Obviously, a tough look for Sheffield. That's going to do some damage to the goal differential, which could matter at the end of the year. I think more importantly, though, that's going to do some psychological damage, because you start to see integers that large going up on the scoreboard for the other team. That's not going to bode well, right? Sheffield tell themselves... We'll be a strong defensive unit. Yes, we'll play for Gaffer Higginbottom. Or, wait, it's not Higginbottom. That's the NBC guy. Who is theirs? It's something like that. We're, we're going to call him Higginbottom. He has at least on. five syllables and no non-British blood in their 23 me. And they were known for set pieces in the champs. So this is really shocking that they let three goals up from set pieces. The funniest part to me was when the game hit like 5-0, 6-0, Sheffield's at home. The stadium starts to empty mm. all sides of it, except for the one away end where all the Newcastle fans are just rocking, like could not be more happy with their club and the start of the season they've had. Wait, it was at Sheffield? Yeah, at Sheffield. Oh. Hurts even more. Oh, wow. One last thing on this, and this is a bet I've been throwing. Bet heavy, I guess, at the beginning of this. I have a small unit. I'll let you know. Yep. The bottom of the prem is so weak this year. Fading the bottom three to five teams, always a great bet. Take against Luton, against Burnley, against Sheffield, against Everton, except for this week. Parlay those together, you get pretty good odds. And considering the three teams that got promoted have a combined three points, it's been hitting most weeks. Wow. Yeah, I like that. I appreciate it. You've been a sharp, not only betting through the bookies, but more importantly in your mind, maybe the fantasy Premier League squad you've been running. No one cares about your fantasy team, but give us a quick rundown there. The boys are flying. The boys are flying. What's the current ranking? 100K in the world, about 8K or 4K in the U.S. So we're looking pretty good. We're, we're in fourth in the 50-person league, so 
Inching right. up there. Well done. We'll keep the people posted on my terms. All right. I don't want your head getting too big. It's early in the season, but let's leave it there. That's talking fantasy premier league. Where do you want to go next? I really want to continue delegating exhaust your list before trailing with mine. We've done a lot of talking about nothing so far. So I want to continue that trend and let's just go quick, quick hits here. Let's talk about some lemons. Let's do it. Let's talk about nothing quickly. That could be another motto for this podcast. What could we possibly be talking about lemons for? So Chelsea, doing pretty poorly. Don't really want to talk about them too much. I think they're sitting 15th or something. Maurizio Pochettino came out to defend his team in a press conference and said, give time to the lemons. It's a thing that we all believe. They started to work after two years at Tottenham. Today in my office, I have yellow ones, green ones, different types from Spain, from Italy. I don't want to lie, there's a big box of lemons. Is a green lemon not a lime? If I go back to Costa Rica again, I think I learned there's a lot of sub-genes and, not genes, genuses, archetypes, whatever. A lot of species of limes and lemons out there. Walmart, though they'd like us to believe differently, I think they carry about two out of a million different species. Interesting. I thought it was a unique analogy, uh, you know, calling his players lemons. Um, I don't know if this is going to motivate them. Because I'll be honest, from what I've seen so far, the tactics and the stats haven't been horrible. But the players' performances and execution of that plan, it just feels like they're not listening to Maurizio very well. And maybe it's because of all this lemon talk they started turning off their brains. That could be right. But what this anecdote made me think of more profoundly was Akerlof's market for lemons, which in game theory is this original case study. Some smart economist was saying, hey, like in a used car market, if there's high quality and low quality cars, because there's information asymmetry about which ones are good and which ones are bad, you're always going to get screwed with the high quality ones because everyone's going to price in what they pay for the likelihood that they're actually getting a shitty lemon. And connecting this to Chelsea, they've purchased a lot of shitty lemons recently. and A lot they, of underage lemons a as A lot well. of underage, unripe, super expensive, non-transformative lemons. It's time to start cutting some lemons, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it moving. What do you have next? Ange, we've talked about him so much. We're in love. And I wanted to avoid talking about him again. Tottenham with a draw that felt like a win against Arsenal. And after the match, talking about one of the goals Tottenham did concede to Arsenal, just reminded me about Ange as this holistic, brilliant thinker because he had a hard time with Christian Romero's handball. And instead of just complaining, like so many of us do in society, he offered a solution and it is developing armless defenders. That's what he's looking for at the top end. He's saying Romero did everything here, tried to keep his arms away, but nevertheless, it caught a side piece. We need CRISPR and gene editing to develop Christian Romero without arms, right? Yeah. Same pace, no arms. <laughs> I don't know if you see the like high school basketball phenom who has one arm. We need to get him on the pitch. Well, it's like a blind person's sense of smell or something, right? You lose one limb. I'm going to say that's 8% of Romero right there. Think about either the extra intelligence he's going to have or he's going to start popping out like a 13th ab down there. I just got to say, Ange in press conferences is my favorite person in the world. I mean, he's just so good at handling questions that would usually frustrate someone or make them go in one direction. And he always has an answer you don't expect. And you're always enamored with what he says. Exactly. And 
I have to give us a little bit of kudos because we've analogized Ange, his presence, as being like a father. After the Michael O'Hare news with the blind side broke, we realize Ange might have some conservatorships too. Well, Mickey Vandeven, he's handsome and good on the mic. He confirmed it. He said, Ange is more like a father to us. We see each other as brothers. And he didn't say it in as many words, but I read through the lines and saw, we do it for our father. Like, he's harnessing some Freudian concepts in such a good way for Tottenham. Yeah, just a man manager. You gotta love it. And I think the part I liked most was when he said, we're not changing our tactics, basically, no matter who we're playing. Like, we play Ange ball, and that's what we do against Arsenal, and that's what we do against Sheffield United. Same exact tactics, which I'm sure is not entirely true if you look at the numbers, but I just love that sentiment. And the style isn't even always about X's and O's because all the players and he himself said, it's about bravery. We play with bravery and it's hard to always define what playing with bravery means, but it's apparently in the back of every player's head. The presses look good. Madison and Son have been electric. We've already broken our promise to not talk so much about Tottenham. Can you get me out of here? Take us somewhere else. I want to talk about just how many goals there are this season. A lot more goals than usual. If you look at it year over year, I'm a big fan of year-over-year statistics, being a finance boy mm, myself. Mm. And it's about 20% more than usual, probably 25% after that eight-goal game. And it really shows in the games. It's been so much more entertaining. A lot of the bottom half teams try to play more aggressive styles and are continuing with that, like Burnley or Bournemouth. And I hope this continues because there's a reality I see two months from now where we see a lot of 5-4-1 pack the bus coming back. Mm. And I don't know if I want that in my life again. I don't know if I need another 2018 Burnley in my life again, but it's coming. It might be. Everything ebbs and flows. It's cyclical. A lot of an overall Premier League season can depend on either how good those teams at the bottom are or how entertaining. If they're all just abominations of the highest order of footballing, they can be game ruiners, right? If they get stuck in a solo spot... We've got that rare thought of, I don't want to watch Premier League football right now. Even if it's Man City, I don't want to watch Luton. Especially if there's a run of nil-nil games. I mean, how many of those do we see towards the back half of last season? It's been so exciting, and I hope it stays this way, but I'm really pessimistic because it never does. Do we want to talk about John Duran? Let's talk about John quickly. This is going to be a 20-second bit here, but uh, he just had the goal of the season. An absolute screamer. Probably a .1 XG chance takes it off the chest, and volleys it. He hits it so hard. I mean, how, how hard did he hit it? He hit it hard enough where everyone back in homeland Colombia is thinking, holy shit, we didn't need to use airplanes to traffic cocaine. We could have just used John Duran to literally kick kilos of cocaine to different continents. That's how hard it went. Pretty sure the goal caught orbit, killed a stop oil protester on its way out, it was an extraterrestrial amount of power. Yeah, my sources in Colombia are actually saying they're now packaging up the kilos in spherical soccer ball-shaped <laughs> packages so that John Duran can come home. And, yeah, uh, that's tough. You either wait for him to come back on international break or you start to develop a network in Birmingham. Is this what the new Peaky Blinders are doing? <laughs> Tommy Shelby would have killed for John Duran in his gang. Let's oh. be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's all we have to say on John Duran. That's uh, it. Go watch the goal against Palace. Yeah, and hopefully our hometown dog shit MLS team, Chicago Fire, have a chunky sell-on clause. Speaking of MLS, 
I just want to send a PSA out to any Americans who are starting to get into soccer, really enjoying it, you know, maybe watching a few leagues. If you're getting into soccer as an American, avoid doing the deep dive on the MLS, please. It's all right. It's cool. You know, we have Messi, but it's the absolute bottom of the totem pole. I mean, it does not get any worse. It would be the same as if you were getting really into basketball from another country, but only the Lithuanian league. Like, watch the NBA. Yeah, because in Lithuania, it's going to be professional, or at least greater than semi-professional. You're going to have a guy or two who makes it to the league. But it's not the league. Just a PSA. I think we're almost at our contractual time limit, but let's run through a few more quickly. Did you see what went down in Denmark this weekend? We got FC Copenhagen over Bronby 3-2. And outside of Messi... I think there's a new big little man among the footballing elites. Bargy. I don't know a ton about him, but doing some first-level scans, he's Swedish. Mm-hmm. He's 17 years old. He's left-footed, and he's tall. That checks a lot of boxes. First glance, I thought he looked a bit Napoleonic. I always thought he was 5'7", though FB ref does claim 5'11". Also kind of bears a resemblance to maybe an old Portuguese explorer who was C-tier. When it came to South America, like no one knows of him, but he was out there like he was getting pirated. He's actually from Kuwait originally. I don't personally know a lot of Kuwaiti people, but they must have a strong footballing culture because he's 17. He's the next up out of Copenhagen, which has just a tremendous academy. They see themselves as Ajax and Ajax sees them as illegitimate half siblings. Kind of complicated. Either way, two goals in the 85th minute and later. Saw them beat their arch rivals, which sounds like a tame event in Denmark, a classy affair maybe, but outside of Turkey and the Ajax tantrum or meltdown we saw from their hooligans, this is one of the highest FPC areas in all of Europe, which is kind of surprising. That is shocking. When you told me this, I was incredibly surprised. I figured Nordic countries, probably very safe, very tame, especially in the soccer eye, but they're all sitting the whole time, no standing, no yelling. No, there's flares everywhere. And when you don't have to pay for your flare burn because you've got great nationalized healthcare, you take a little more risk. And that's probably what we're seeing at these football matches. I want to see a chart. Hey, intern, can you pull us up? Um, Flare burn. Keep the muzzle on. (laughs) Keep the muzzle on. The cost of healthcare and flares per capita. Can we get that on the X and Y axis, please? Thank you. Yep. I wonder what that looks like. Once we get this intern, clean up the data and the chart a little bit. Let's get it framed. This might be the answer to the meaning of life. We never know. No, we don't. Until we get the gar- <laughs> until we get the graph out, we'll never know. I think that's a good stopping point for us. We have talked about flares in Copenhagen to lemons to flares in Amsterdam. <laughs> flares in Amsterdam. A lot of flare talk this episode, but I think it was fun. You know, good random show, good catch up on some storylines and what's going on in the game. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Please give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. We're on all of them. We're actually on them now. This is the first episode where we're not lying when we say those other ones outside of Spotify. That has indeed been a lie until now. Thanks for calling me out on that. (laughs) (laughs) Also, give us a follow on Twitter, at Faking Injuries, and shout out to Goals Network for hosting us, as always. Love you guys. Bye. Love you guys. Ciao.